Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. Grab a Bible. Go to Acts chapter 2. Grab your Bible. Go to Acts chapter 2. Now let me just fill you in where we are and what we're doing here on Sunday mornings. We are teaching through a series on church membership. Membership matters. Um, and, and so we're going to be talking about five things that Seneca Baptist Church expects of every church member. And those five things are, in no particular order, worship attendance. We talked about that last weekend. Uh, Sunday school participation. We're going to talk about that today. Generosity. Service. And the Baptist faith and message. Affirming the Baptist faith and message. And you, you might be saying, why are we talking about membership matters? Why are you doing those things and here's my answer. My short answer to you is because in our culture, church membership has little meaning. It's got little meaning to us. Well, yeah, I'm a member of such and such church. When was the last time you went? What's the pastor's name? I don't know. I love doing that to people. I love making people feel uncomfortable. It's a spiritual gift, I think. I do. I meet somebody out there. I say, hey, uh, do, do you have a church that you're a part of? And they say, yeah, I go to such and such a church. I say, oh yeah, what's the pastor's name there? And then they begin to squirm because they have no idea who the pastor's name is. The last time they went there was when they were 14 years old. Do you know what I mean? You ever met that person? I love it. It just brings joy to my heart. It does. Well, I uh, used to be, and I go, uh-huh. Well, I'd love to invite you to church since you need a church family. And so, I, you know, it just means little. It means little. We have ties to churches that we don't participate in sometimes. And in our culture, we saw some statistics last week that there are 79,500 people in Oconee County. There are 4,900 or so people that go to a Southern Baptist church. And there are some 16,000 folks that are members of a six, uh, Southern Baptist Church, but only 4,000 and some change people actually attend regularly a Southern Baptist Church. What that tells me is that pastors have done a really bad job of talking about why going to church is important. And it is. We talked about last week that people will say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And to that I, I said, yeah, you're right. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian, but you do no, need to go to church to be a successful one. If you want to be the kind of Christian that God defines as a Christian that He's pleased with, you need to be a part of the family of God. 
Brother Tom just led us through a number of songs that talked about the bond, blessed be the tide that binds, that Christian love, that fellowship that we enjoy. God Himself left heaven and came to earth to die on a cross to institute a church. Not simply to save you from something, but to save every saint into something. Are you tracking with me, church family? And so we talk about how important it is. But why right now? Why right now in this time does Pastor Ryan feel it necessary to talk about church membership and worship attendance and Sunday school participation? And and here's why. Number one, because I love the Father. We talked about in our Sunday school class this morning um, that, that you know God's changed your heart when the have to becomes a I want to. I love the Father, and I don't just have to go to church, but I want to be at church. I missed Wednesday night when I wasn't here, even though we were having a blast with our family, skiing, snow skiing. I missed you. I couldn't wait to get here this morning. I'm excited to be with you. I know God's changed my heart in that way. I love the Father. Why am I preaching this? Because I'm committed to God's Word. There is an authority in our lives, and it ain't me. And it's not you. I'm not the authority in my own life, and guess what? I'm not the ultimate authority in this church. The Word of God is. I'm committed to the Word of God. I'm committed to God's church. I want the church to be successful. I want it to be strong. I want it to be a radiant bride that Jesus looks down and says, that's my people right there. They're doing exactly what I left them to do. I'm committed to the church's success no matter what. And last... I'm preaching this sermon because I love you. And if you're watching out there on Facebook, I love you. And I don't love you less because you're not with us. I understand. But listen, I love you too much. There's going to be a standard that all of us are going to fall short of in the great throne room of heaven. And I want to make sure that you're covered by the blood. And I want to make sure that when you stand before him, you will not be ashamed. So that's why I'm preaching through this series about church membership in the middle of a pandemic. Yes, in the middle of a pandemic. Church membership has never been more important than it is right now. So last week we talked about worship attendance and why the Bible expects gathering together for worship. Hebrews chapter 10 says, do not neglect the gathering. And then we talked about that that Greek word for the gathering is a complete gathering. And that complete gathering is where we together, we seek God. Together, corporately, all of our minds and our hearts and attentions are on the Father. We're seeking Him. We hold fast to the sound doctrine and we preach sound doctrine together. We do that together. We're sanctified together. 
through the preaching of God's Word, through doing life together, we are participating in making one another look more and more like Jesus. And we are encouraged together. Paul uses the phrase a lot of times in his epistles. He says, I can't wait to come to you so that we might be mutually encouraged by one another. And I, when I look over my church family, there are so many times, I said it last week, that I am the biggest recipient of encouragement. There is nobody who gets encouraged, I think, in this church more than me. And I'm so proud of you for that. And I know that you live that out between one another. We would be mutually encouraged as we gather together. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 in just a moment. And I want to talk about the birth of the church. And, and so, you, you know, have you ever heard somebody say, well, oh, I just want to be traditional. You ever heard somebody talk about tradition? They want to hold to these traditions or that tradition? Let me tell you, if I'm going to be traditional, I want to be this traditional. All right? And so we're going to talk about the birth of the church and what the early church did. And so that's the kind of traditional I want to be. So here's what happens. Let me set it up for you. In Acts chapter 1, the 120 disciples and the 12 apostles go into an upper room and they pray. And they're waiting for the promised Holy Spirit to come. And in that upper room, as they pray, it says that divided tongues as of fire comes down upon them and gives them the ability to speak languages that are uh, known languages in, of people who are in Jerusalem. They burst out of that upper room and they go about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. On that day, it says in Acts chapter 2, that Peter, filled with the Spirit, stands. And he says, you see these folks? They're not drunk with wine. It's only 9 a.m. in the morning. They're filled with the Spirit and they're preaching. And it says that the Bible says that they were convicted and pierced to the heart. And they said, what should we do? And Peter says, repent. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. And on that day, 3,000 souls were added to the church on a single day. Don't you want to see God move like that in our day? Gosh, I sure do. So what did they do? Let's build a building. No, they didn't do that. Let's see what they did. Would you stand with me to honor the reading of God's word? Acts chapter 2. I'll be begin I'll be begin in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father God, we pray that you'd speak to us through your word and you'd teach us what you expect of us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So here's what they did. 3,000 people. The church was birthed on that day. 3,000 people were added to the number. What would we do if 3,000 people were added to our number in a single day? 
we would rejoice and then we'd go, ah, right? What are we going to do with all these people? Well, I hope that we'd follow the early church's example. What did they do? They organized themselves into small groups that met in homes and, and that met one another's needs. Okay? So I hear, hear this statement. This is the statement that God put in my head earlier this week as I began preparing for this message. Preaching is how the church grew big and small groups is how the church grew strong. Hear me say that again. Preaching on that day is how the church grew big and small groups were how the church grew strong. In our church, we call our small groups Sunday school. It's a very traditional way to say small group. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, Chief Casey and Miss Brenda. They lead small groups in their church. They just call them small groups. We call them Sunday school. Some people would say, well, why do you call them Sunday school? It's antiquated. And I just go, I don't know. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. They're accomplishing the same purpose. Small group Sunday school. We call them Sunday school. We do them at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. If you're not a part of a Sunday school class, you're missing out on one of the biggest blessings of the week. You truly are. Now, I, I, need to, I need a caveat. There's not a verse in the Bible, I'm talking about Sunday school participation this morning, that we expect church members to participate in Sunday school. There's not a, a Bible verse anywhere in the Bible that says, Thou shalt go to Sunday school. I wish there was, because I'd pull it out and read it and my sermon would be over. But there's not. There's not. But in this text, what we find is something both descriptive of what the early church did and prescriptive for how the, the church ongoing can function. We find both a description and a proscription or prescription for what the church should be doing to grow strong. So here's what I'm not saying. I, I just need to make a bunch of caveats this morning because, I, again, I got some emails this week. I'm going to get some more emails today. I'm not saying if you don't go to Sunday school, you're not saved. Lord, help us. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that if you're not willing to be a part of a small group of people who love Jesus and are trying to meet one another's needs, we need to have some serious conversation about what church is and about why you want to be a part of our church. Are you smelling when I'm stepping in? I need you. I need you this morning. So we believe that Sunday school is vital. It's important. It's, it's huge for us. So let's look at what they did and, and how we should imitate the early church. Now, the early church was devoted to four things. So if you've got your own Bible, you can highlight or circle these things in your Bible. If you've got the little pew Bible in the rack in front of you, don't do it, okay? Um, they were devoted to four disciplines. The first thing, look in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The first thing, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. It makes sense. That makes sense to us. They were devoted to Bible study. Uh, they didn't have the canon of Scripture like we do. And the, even the letters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels were not written in written form. So what they had was 
verbal, oral teaching that was passed down from one to another. And because it was passed down from one to another verbally or orally, they were devoted to saying, what has Jesus said about himself? What has Jesus said about the way that I should live? What has Jesus said about the way the church should function? And let's live that out to the best of our ability. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Okay, that makes sense for us. When you're at church, you open the Bible, and we are devoted to the apostles' teaching. We want, to, we want the same thing. The second thing that they were devoted to was, it says, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Now, I need you to understand something. Fellowship is not the same way we talk about fellowship. Fellowship at a Baptist church has everything to do with what? Eating. If it don't have food at it, it ain't a fellowship. Amen. And, and we just assume that fellowship happens because there's a potluck on the table. And fellowship equals potluck, potluck equals fellowship. And that's not exactly true. A potluck does start a good fellowship, but it, it does not mean that one's going to happen. I want you to imagine what happened on that day. 3,000 people from all walks of life, put their faith in Jesus in a single day. They were organized into small groups. Were they all the same? Was everybody in every home group or small group or Sunday school or whatever you want to call it, were they all the same? Did they all think the same way? And the answer is no. This fellowship didn't just happen. That's why I said they were devoted to the fellowship. I want you to understand something. There is not a perfect Sunday school class here at Seneca Baptist that you're just going to slide into and you're going to love everything about every person in that room. And you know that's true if you're in my Sunday school class. The people that laughed are in my Sunday school class. You're not going to love everything the teacher always says. You're not always going to be excited about how passionate he was or whatever. You're not going to love everything about your teacher. You're, there are going to be people in that Sunday school class that drive you crazy. Y'all are afraid to amen on that one, aren't you? It's okay. They were devoted to something. They had to work for this fellowship. This fellowship did not come naturally, so they had to pour themselves into it. Now, fellowship means three things, I think. First, it means being a part of a group, a body of people. That's why we're a part of Christ's body. We are the body of Christ, and to be in fellowship means to be a part of that body. I'm valued, I'm necessary, and so I'm going to be a part of that body. It means to be a part. It also means having or sharing with others certain things in common. The Greek word fellowship is koinonia. And it literally comes from the idea of commonality. Now here's what's interesting. There were 3,000 people that came to Jesus. What was the only common denominator in each one of their lives? Jesus. Now let me, let me talk to you for a minute. If you say, well, it was easy for the disciples to get along... They were all the same. They were all alike. Wrong. You got fishermen. You've got uh, a tax collector who 
betrayed his own citizens for a foreign government. You've got Simon the Zealot, who was zealous for the Jewish nation. I would have loved to have been around the campfire at night with Jesus when he starts one of these discussions and Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector go at it. You know they did. Jesus said, if y'all don't sit down, I'm going to separate y'all. There were different personalities, but there was a commonality that was far greater than their differences. That's what's so beautiful about the body of Christ. That's what's so beautiful about Sunday school, is everybody in a Sunday school class doesn't come from the same street, or the same neighborhood, or from the same upbringing, or the same background. Yet, there's something that binds us together that far supersedes all of the small differences in each one of our lives. We have something that binds us together. His name is Jesus. We're going to disagree about a lot of things in this world. But if we can agree about Jesus and His Word, then we got so much more commonality than we do difference. And that's what makes Sunday school so beautiful. We come from all walks of life. I love David Mettler's Sunday school class, the, the Connections class. Because you say, well, what, what is that group made up of? And I go, man, I don't even know. You can be from 40 years old to... More than that, yeah. I teach a college class, and every one of our college students were absent this morning, and so I had four or six adults. So in, 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 our, in our Sunday school class, we've got 19-year-olds, and we've got older-than-that-year-olds. And it's just fun. What do they have in common Jesus. It, it, this word koinonia means it's the fellowship and it means we have something in common with one another. And lastly, fellowship can, can talk about partnership. When we're fellowshipping, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. There was a partnership that they had in Acts chapter 2. And you see that fleshed out through the rest of the text. But they were partners in something. They were partners in life. Isn't it good, chief, to know that people got your back? It, isn't it good to know that you've got brothers and sisters in law enforcement that when you got on the radio and called them, they'd be there lickety-split? It's good to know that people got your back. And the thing is, is that's what Sunday school is intended to be, is that you can call people on the spot and say, I need you now. I can't come right now, but I'll pray right now. I, I, I can't do this right now, but I'm there with you. I'm, I support you. What can I do for you? That's what Sunday school is intended to be. It's such a beautiful picture. It's a partnership in life. It's a partnership in the gospel. We all have one aim in mind. We come from a bunch of different backgrounds, but we have one aim in mind, and that's to make the name of Jesus famous. 
I want to declare that gospel in such a way that, that people trust Christ. There is, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Third, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, most commentators believe that it's not just talking about Baptist fellowship, where we break lots of things on our plate. It's talking about communion. That in these homes, that they would celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And then the prayers. I've looked into this. Why does it say the prayers? And here's what I know. Here's what I've learned. That to be a follower of Christ, you have to be passionate about the things that Christ was passionate about. And Christ's life, in Christ's life, he modeled prayer for us. He modeled the importance of prayer. I want you to understand that God in the flesh, who here has limit, and but yet is all-powerful, all at the same moment, Jesus prayed to the Father. Prayer was important. I just read a couple days ago that before Jesus made important decisions like choosing the twelve, He went up on the mountain and prayed all night long. That before Jesus was, uh, went into vocational ministry, when he left out after being baptized by John the Baptist, he spent 40 days in the wilderness in prayer and fasting. He even taught us to pray a number of different ways. Through the Lord's Prayer, and don't pray like this, but pray like that. Prayer was important to our Savior Just before Jesus was betrayed, or after he was betrayed, before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, what's Jesus doing? Praying. There on the cross, as he is becoming the atonement for sin, what's Jesus doing? Praying. And if we want to be the people of God, guess what it's going to take? We've got to be people of prayer. And Jesus is saying, or Luke is saying, Luke is saying they devoted themselves to prayer. Why? Because prayer was important to Jesus. Prayer should be important to his church. If Jesus couldn't go through a day without praying, Jesus' church shouldn't go through a day without praying. If Jesus needed the help of the Father, how much more do we need the help of the Father? If Jesus needed the Father's strengthening, how much more do I need brothers and sisters around me who know my junk, who can pray for me? That's what Sunday school is. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The fellowship. They worked at it. Some of us, we've been to Sunday schools where we go, that wasn't a good fit. Are you sure it wasn't a good fit? Is it just because you didn't want to work at it? The breaking of bread and the prayers. And I want you to hear what God did. God blessed them in incredible ways. See, in that passage, it says that God blessed the early church in five ways. Now, I'm not saying that because they gathered in small groups, which we're calling Sunday school, this is how God blessed them. 
But James chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Draw near to God, and He will what? Draw near to you. And what you see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 40, or 42 is you see a corporate gathering of believers drawing near to one another and drawing near to God. And so what happens? It seems as though God is faithful to keep His promise. It seems as though that God blesses the devotion of His children. And this is how He does it. Five ways. Awe upon every soul. Look at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. Can I tell you what the church lacks today? It's not preaching. It's not music. It's awe. We have lost the awe of God. We have lost this idea that God is holy. He is just. He is righteous. He is good. And He is to be feared. We have lost that awe and reverence for a holy God. Now Jesus is my homeboy. He's my padna. He's my friend. Oh, He is your friend. But Jesus is first holy. And the only reason He's your friend is because He died on the cross to fulfill the holy just judgment of God so that you might be drawn in as His friend. We have lost awe. Oh, that God would give us a reverence for His presence. That He'd fall in such a way on this place that we couldn't stand and sing. That we couldn't even open our mouth to preach. Oh, that He would fall on this place that the only response would be silence. Awe is lacking in God's church. God blessed him secondly with signs and wonders. Verse 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now here's what I believe about Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that because the Bible says that. I believe that the Jesus of yesterday, who empowered His people to do miracles, is the same Jesus that dwells in each in every one of His children and could empower us to do miracles if He so chose. I do not believe personally that miracles have ceased. If you do, that's okay. We can have great Christian fellowship. I love you. We can agree to disagree on that because that's not central to the gospel. But I believe that God still, if we asked, if we begged, if we... Uh, needed that he would give us miracles and signs and wonders. I believe that it is our lack of faith and dependence on God that have led him to say, if you don't want me to do things miraculously, I won't. I believe in that miraculous power of God. I believe in the power to raise the dead. I believe in the power to heal the sick. I believe that God has the power today to provide miraculously. I believe in God's miraculous working now. And it said that when they devoted themselves to these things, these things happened. I see in this little preacher's brain, I see a cause and effect. I see that God blessed with these things the people that devoted themselves to these things. That's what I see. The third thing is generosity in the heart. 
Look what happened. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Man, isn't that an incredible picture? That's what Sunday school is all about. Sunday school is a place where you say, hey, God has blessed me in this way and brother or sister over here has a need. How can we meet their need together as a Sunday school class? What I have doesn't belong to me. I'm just a steward that's going, passing it from God's hands to these people's hands. Sunday school should be a place where my needs are known, your needs are known, and we help one another meet those needs. Because all things are in common. Now some people say, isn't that socialism? And, and some people will even use that passage right there to say, well, the Bible preaches socialism. And it doesn't. Soapbox. Socialism is when I take what you have and I distribute it as I see fit. And I take it by force. Scriptural generosity is when you take what God has given you and with open hands you give it to meet the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what you see in the Bible. You see that they had in open hands these things and they gave them willingly of their own accord. The apostles weren't standing over there going, that wasn't enough. Give more. Fourth thing God blessed them with, verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. I want you to see that they still went to a large corporate gathering together. They went to the temple. They did not section themselves off from the Jewish temple. They had not become un-Jewish. When they became Christians, they did not lose their Jewish roots I need you to understand that Jesus is a Jewish Messiah. Jesus did not come to undo Judaism. Jesus came to fulfill it. He is the Messiah that was promised from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Malachi. And so when these trusted in Jesus, they did not leave the God of the Old Testament They still went to the synagogue to worship, to the temple to worship together. They just understood something that day, that I don't have to present a, a, an offering for my sin because Christ was that offering. Are you with me, church family? It, so they, they still did that together. And then they went and broke bread in their homes and received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. So the fourth thing is they had favor with all the people. And the last thing is the Lord added to their number. There was a kind of belonging and community the early church shared that was attractive to the outside world. The people within those small groups, those home groups, were worshiping together and living in such a way that nobody could say anything negative about them. I want to say something bad about them, but I just don't have any ammunition. That's exactly the way that we should live. 
And they were living that out in such a way that they had favor with people. And the verse 47 ends with the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There was a kind of belonging community that they shared that was attractive to the outside world. The family of God created such a longing in the hearts of the lost. And that longing could only be fulfilled through Christ. So we're talking about Sunday school this morning. I'm encouraging you, and I'm saying Seneca Baptist Church expects each and every one of its members to be a part of a Sunday school class. Not because we want to shove information into your head, but because we need people. What's the Bible say? Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. You can't do this life alone. We've got to surround ourselves with people. So here's what's practical. Let me get real practical for just a moment. Sunday school is where the big church gets personal. The complete gathering gets personal. It's where the, that complete gathering gets small. We were at a church for a men's conference a few weeks ago, and that church has thousands upon thousands of people. It seems huge. You could have literally fit our sanctuary with the steeple on the inside of their sanctuary. It was ginormous. But then I walked around and I saw Sunday school classes and I saw people serving together. Whether it was in the parking lot or the greeter team and they were doing life together. And we've even got a member who used to live here in Seneca, Miss Linda Bearden, who now is a member of that church. And she says it gets small in Sunday school. See, have you ever been into a church and you feel like I can go into the church and I can sit in the corner and I can just hide away? Well, that's not the, the intention of church. Maybe you've been burned by church before and, and you don't want to build relationships because you've been hurt by somebody before. Well, God's intention is never for you to come into a church and hide Church is supposed to be a place where every person matters, where every member has a part to play. We need to surround ourselves with like-minded individuals who are all devoted to the same things and bettering one another. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and, and one man sharpens another. Can I just tell you, I need somebody to love me enough to tell me that when I'm being a knucklehead, I'm being a knucklehead. I need people to love me enough to tell me when I'm thinking the wrong way. I need people who love me enough to tell me the truth. And you can come into a gathering like this and hide. A Sunday school is meant to bring you into community. That koinonia fellowship. I need people to come after me when I'm straying. Pick me up when I'm fall. Weep with me when I'm weeping. Rejoice with me when I'm rejoicing. I need people to pick me up when I'm broken. Sunday school is a place where that happens. It's a place where your physical and spiritual needs can be met. And as I close, I just want to talk about the Baraka class for a second. Mr. Ham Hudson is our, our Baraka teacher. And uh, Mr. Ham has been teaching that Baraka class for a few years. A few years. When Noah got off the ark, Mr. Ham started that class. 
I participated in a funeral service this week uh, where the Sunday school class of the deceased person were, were the honorary pallbearers. And I just thought, what an incredible statement that made of the importance of the deceased man's Sunday school class in his life. His relative was speaking, she, she stood up and she looked at the Baraka class, all of them lined up right down here, and she, she just said, I just want you to know how much I appreciate the strength that you gave to Sam. That is special. I want you to understand that the Baraka class and Sunday school is intended to be a brotherhood or sisterhood that does life together. That bears one another's burdens. And maybe even one day has the privilege of bearing one another's caskets. And when we don't participate in this thing called Sunday school, we're all missing out on the blessing that God could give us through you being there. So as your pastor, I want to encourage you to come to church. Facebook world, I want to encourage you to come back to church. There is a mask section wide open just for you. And I praise God to see uh, a few up there in that mask section today that, that weren't last week, and I rejoice with you. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Come to church and be a part of a Sunday school class. As we close our time, I don't know how to, I don't know how to respond to an invitation to come to Sunday school. And I guess the only way to know that if you've received the invitation is if you're in Sunday school soon. So as we close, I'm going to close our time. We're not going to do a song right here at the end. But we're just going to close our service. So would you stand with me? If you're a guest with us today, that was a weird sermon for you, I'm sure. But I just want to communicate what we believe, who we are, and what we expect. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And maybe you need to answer the question for yourself, have I trusted in Jesus as my own Lord and Savior? Do I know that when I go to heaven, or when I die, that I'm going to go to heaven? Is there any doubt in my mind If there is, I would love to walk you through that doubt and lead you into what the hymnist says is a blessed assurance. Maybe you just find yourself in this season of your life slacking a little bit.
afraid. And I just want to encourage you and exhort you to come back in. Father God, we come to you and we pray this morning. I pray for my message, Lord. I just ask that, uh, that as I preach your word, you'd speak to people. And I pray, Father, that, that you'd grow us both in number and in strength. Father, we want to see a, a mighty move of your Holy Spirit that draws thousands of people to yourself. Whether it's here or in Oconee County, I don't care where it is, I just want to see it before I die. And I want to be prepared as a pastor to do everything that I can to strengthen our church and to make us ready because I think sometimes you're waiting on us. Father, thank you for our Sunday school teachers. Those who spend hours every week preparing. Thank you for small group leaders like Casey and Brenda. Who lead their groups well. Point people to Jesus. Bear one another's burdens and meet one another's needs. And I pray that people would get plugged in to those classes. That fellowship. And to be for our good and for your glory. Father, as we leave, I pray that you'd send us out of here with an increased passion for your word to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known and to see the lost saved. Go with us, Father. We need you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. As you guys are leaving, thank you guys for coming.